0: here's Pastor Scott.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you today as we are each and every day from three to five. We talk about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective, and we also like to have a lot of fun, and that's something that we do. You can follow the Pastor Scott Show at Pastor Scott Show on uh, your various social medias and uh, all of that stuff. You know, one of the things that I think helps a lot when we just see a lot of bad news and we just kind of get into our own life, which we need to do, and is uh, to laugh and to take a look at it and to have the introspective of our life through humor and other things. And I'm excited about our first guest today. His name is Jeff Allen. He's a comedian. He is in his fifth decade of being a working comedian. And uh, you might have seen him on America's Got Talent, Bar Comedy, HBO, Amazon Prime, Pure Flix, Comedy Central, Showtime, TBN, CBN, and all of the uh, lettered networks there. And he can be heard regularly on SiriusXM's comedy channels, as well as on Pandora and Spotify, or Spotify, if you will. Uh, the Jeff, uh, let's see, Jeff Allen, Are We There Yet? tour is all over the country. He'll be in Brea, California on September 24th. And his new book releases today. It's called are we there yet? And uh, you can get that today wherever you get booked. Jeff, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Wow, what an intro! Thank you. Yeah, Do that's it a, all. Uh, well, I, I skipped a few things. I, I skipped the bit about yeah. you doing your act on a uh, aircraft carrier in the Indian Ocean. I thought that was interesting.
2: <laughs> yes, that was. Uh, I got to. Not many people get to land on an aircraft, a warship. Right uh,
1: in the Indian Ocean. In
2: trouble, right, and somebody got in trouble for putting two civilians. My son came with me. And uh, that wasn't cleared with the. Uh, they were doing night ops to Afghanistan, and they put a comedian in the middle <laughs> of the show. <shit.
1: laughs> yeah, didn't go well. For yeah, you know? <laughs> well, you know, yeah. that's uh, that's the way things are these days. Well, how you doing? I'm, I'm hanging
2: in there, man. It was a. Uh, uh, you're my last interview for the day. I'm going to go get some Thai food and go home and if my wife will still talk to me
1: oh well I, nice. I appreciate you uh being with us today big day for you your book coming out and uh, yes. uh it is great to uh to chat with you you know your your comedy is about regular life married life and uh life with kids and the mundane things that uh we always do uh how's your wife doing how's tammy doing
2: uh, she's still speaking to me, so that's a good thing. That's, that's uh, she, good. You know what, I'll tell you what, we we were at the pool on Sunday, and um, this is the first time in 37 years, she walked over, she gave me a kiss on the cheek, and she said, we have a pretty good life, don't we? And I said, you know, I think you're right, we do. So, um, I'm glad she got on board with that, you know? Yeah. I I've thought I had a pretty good life for a lot of years, but uh, anyway, I'm glad she's. She's caught up to speed
1: now. Yeah, I think that's good. It takes a little bit of work, uh, you know, get our wives uh, on board that way. <laughs> yes. how, how long have you been married? 37 years, just past July. Ah, uh, 37 years. Well, well, good for you. You know, you uh, have one of the most romantic proposal stories I've ever heard. Uh, how did you propose to Tammy?
2: Uh, I was on a red eye. I was living in L.A. She was living in Ohio. I had met her probably two months three months earlier and uh, i decided somewhere over nebraska i think i was going to ask her to marry me when i landed so no ring no plan just kind of an impulse i don't recommend this if there's a young man listening to this um i just uh decided to ask her right there at baggage claim and um (laughs) <laughs> and I could tell you, she had no idea the baggage she picked up when she said yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, baggage claim, that's a, that's a wonderful place. They probably have a Starbucks or a pizza nearby if you need to get a coffee afterward and Little pastry. Oh well,
2: that's it. You know, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Well, it hasn't. uh, You know, thirty seven years. There was a time in your life when it didn't look uh, like you're going to make it. Thirty seven years, and that's something that you do is you tell your story a lot in your new book, but also in your act. You you will share your testimony. Tell us about, uh, you know how you how you came to the Lord ultimately over time.
2: Well, I started when I got sober at thirty. I walked into a twelve step program. They said pray. I said to what? And um, that kind of started me on a journey. Uh, I didn't believe in God, so I started with what most people do. Okay, well, New Age, self-help, uh, Buddhism. I think at one point I went in, I told Tammy, uh, I'm going to put the kids in a Buddhist monastery. And she said, well, it's finally happened. I've been waiting for it. The last screw has falling out of your head. You're not putting my kids in a Buddhist monastery. <laughs> <laughs> it took her about eight seconds to talk me out of it. That's I the real had, had
1: reason a- you are in the Indian Ocean. Now we know.
2: Well, I had a theory that I was a rage freak. My dad was a rage freak. My brother was a rage freak. I had two boys, two sons that were little. I didn't want them to grow up like me. And I thought, when was the last time you heard of a Buddhist monk road rage incident? You never have. So mm. they seem to be pretty calm people. That was my theory anyway. Yeah. Out of it.
1: Yeah. So and, uh,
2: um, I got into, uh, you know, eventually wound up with Ayn Rand. Uh, and um, about seven years into it, I met a guy who was a Bible-believing Christian. He was doing comedy for 100 bucks a week on the road. He was worth, I don't know how many million. He just sold his business to mm. a foreign entity. We hit it off on the golf course, and um, he signed me up for some Bible tapes from Tom Nelson's church in Denton, Texas. And I collected those for about a year and a half and never opened one up. And this man, this beautiful man that God put in my, in my life, uh, never said to me, you know, I sent you tapes. Uh, sent you a Bible, you know, and uh, all he would ever say to me was, uh, how are you and Tammy doing? You know, not too good.
3: Mm.
2: He'd say, well, we pray for your marriage every night. And I go, I go, why? Why do you care? And he said, well, we just think marriages are ordained from God. No, you know, your, your kids need both of you. And we want to, we want to see you make it. So anyway, um, at some point, we had divorce papers filled out and notarized. And 10 minutes from the courthouse, Tammy changed her mind and said, let's go home. And I looked at her and said, you're out. She said, what do you mean? I go, well, if we drive 10 more minutes, drop these papers. You deserve better than me. You really do. You've given me seven years, and I've tried. You know, um, I just can't stop smashing things and breaking things and saying hurtful things, so um, you deserve a better man than me. But anyway, she went home, and we went home. and Eventually, she just took the kids and went to Ohio for the summer, and I had those tapes, and I opened one up. And the first sermon I ever listened to was Ecclesiastes, one. Meaningless, meaningless, all in life is meaningless. And I went, yes, <laughs> that <Yeah>. is true. <laughs> that was I was a full-blown nihilist. I was an angry, bitter, jaded, cynical, foul-mouthed human being that had no hope for anything. And um, that resonated with me. And what I got out of that first sermon was, life without God will have no meaning. Without meaning your life, there's no purpose, and without purpose, suicide. And I thought that was the most true thing I've ever read through all the self-help, everything. That was my conclusions, And I felt if there was something that true in the Bible, then there must be other things in the Bible that are true. And I studied about a year and a half's worth of Bible tapes in about three months. I couldn't get enough of that book. And when I heard Genesis 1, 1, uh, God in the beginning, God, I fell on my face and I knew in my soul there was a God and he was going to crush me. And I called my buddy Philip, who gave me the tapes. And I said, "There's a God! There's a God!" He goes, "I've been trying to tell you for like a year and a half." And uh, he goes, "You got a problem with that?" I said, blasphemy, cursing and denying. Why? 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 You know? Why would he do anything but crush me?" He said, "Well, you obviously haven't gotten to the cross." I go, "The cross?" He goes, "Ah, can't ruin the ending for you, man. You know." And um, when I heard the parable of the uh, the, the prodigal son, man, it just broke me. Hmm. The uh, the the image of the uh, of a god with his outstretched arms at the ungrateful and uh, uh, son that just squandered his entire inheritance and uh, um, I just I I knew you know so yeah. anyway I gave my life to Christ and I said if you are who you claim to be then I am yours and uh, that was twenty
1: some years ago so. And what happened then when you, you told your wife or she, she must've been a part of this for a year and a half. Was your life changing during that
2: period? Well, you know, it's again, everything, you know, everything I, I I got these little, I I look at it. It's like I had a spiritual thirst. That's what I had. Mm -hmm. And everything I read would quench it. You know, it's like you're in the desert and you find a puddle and you throw this water in your mouth. And for a second you go, ah, that's it. And then you're parched again, you know? And, uh, when I told her that I, I, I was a born-again Christian, she goes, what does that mean? I go, I, I really have no idea. I heard it. It was a term I heard. Yeah. But I'm to love you as Jesus loved the church. And she says, what does that mean? I said, I'm to sacrifice my life for you. And she laughed because she knew how selfish that was. And uh, I said, you don't have to come to church with me and the boys. You don't have to do any of this. This is my journey. you know." And um, anyway, two or three weeks, she must have seen something different. And started coming with us. And then uh, when we sold the house, the uh, escrow lady said, uh, I got some bad news. The IRS has taken all the money you made off the house. And I said, I, it doesn't matter. I said, the only thing that matters is the uh, what's at the table here, my wife and my children. And mm. for the first time, Tammy said to me, she goes, I believed you.
1: Mm. That's a great story. That we mattered. St- that is a great yeah. story. You're listening to The Pastor Scott Show. My guest is comedian Jeff Allen. He's also author of a brand new book that comes out today. Are We There yes. Yet is the name of the book. You know, um, you've been doing comedy for a long time. How has it changed over the years?
2: Um, for me, you know, I, I don't think it's changed much for me. Um, I think that um, the topics, uh, I saw that starting in the 80s. Um, you know, I, I used to, I, I did a lot of alcohol and drugs, so I talked a lot about alcohol and drugs. And mm. there was a point where talking about drunk driving all of a sudden wasn't socially acceptable. Yeah, And it was a simple experience. You know, you just start doing it. It's not getting laughs. You move on, you know. Right. And I don't know what it's like, because my audience is pretty much around my age. They remember comedy from the 80s and 90s, and when people could say whatever they want. Um, I don't have much of an issue, because I, 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 I think it was... I was talking about my wife one night in the nineties, and some woman stood up in the middle of the room and said, "Why don't you talk about men the way you talk about women and I looked at her and I said, "Who's talking about women? I'm talking about a woman <laughs> so when I'm married you know yeah. <laughs> you guys have talked me and i I don't do anything unless it's personal yeah. because at least you can't take if you take that from me, I got nothing
1: right you know
2: <laughs> you know if I can't talk about my wife and you know then you guys, you guys win completely. So anyway, everything I talk about, you know, it's kind. Of, and then, yeah, you know, I make a comment here and there about uh, the social, culture stuff. You know, I mean, it's hard not to.
1: Yeah, once you know, in a while. You know, but you know, I think that I think married life and life with kids as a parent uh, that's that stays the same. You know, with uh, you know maybe the difference of technology involved, but uh, the way we are, it seems to be always something that can be pretty funny.
2: Yeah, I did a uh, show, I think, for Amway. I, I don't know what they were called. They're, they're called something else now. But it was a, at a huge arena. I mean, like 15, 18,000 people. And I get done, and I'm standing out in the lobby area, and a, a Korean couple came over and in broken English said, uh, we have teenagers drive us crazy, too.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> right. See, it's global. It's just,
2: It just, yep. Yeah. God, yeah. made it, you know, it's not, we're not all that unique. We'd like to think we are. <laughs> yeah.
1: We're right. not. Wait, you wrote a book, and uh, it's called Are We There Yet? How did you come up with that title? Why do we call it Are We There Yet?
2: Well, it's the impatience of, of life in general. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're on a recovery journey, you know, which is, you, I, I, I had this image one day of trying to think of a title. I wanted an examined life. Because uh, Aristotle said an unexamined life is not worth living, but they, then I thought, actually, this is about a recovery journey, and it. I had this image of uh, when I got into recovery of being in the back seat of my parents' car, and they go to a rest area, and they just take off and throw me the keys, and I'm nine years old, and they go, Yeah, have fun. You know, and you, <laughs> you got to drive the car. You don't know where the destination is. You have no clue. You have absolutely no And that's kind of what recovery was. I walk into those rooms. All I know is I didn't want to drink and drug again. And um, and they said, well, just do what we tell you to do, and you'll be okay. And I'm like a child. I did what I was told, and throughout the 30-some years I've been at it, i am constantly asking, am I done? Am I done, or is there another layer that is this onion that keeps, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and they come to the conclusion that this side of heaven, man, we're, we're just a work in progress. That's all we are. It's, Paul kept talking about it, you know, the, the dying to self, you know, and you realize that the new nature, the Holy Spirit that Jesus put in us is at war with the old nature who, you know, rears its ugly head. In my life it does every so often. It just pops up and Tammy goes, oh my God, man. that's that's like the old you. What where did, where did that come from? You know, and it's like, mm. Eh, just, you know, yeah, still, know.
1: still, but, still,
2: um, still there. Anyway, it's the impatience of it. Yeah, yeah, it's still there, you know, and that that constant struggle. Uh, but the the beauty of the new conscience is that you learn to trust that that voice, and then and then you realize that if it's to my benefit uh, spiritually, it's probably from God. I always said it would be easier for me as a Christian if Jesus spoke to me in a Spanish accent. Then I know it was him, you know, a oh, lot, uh, Jeff. And I go, oh, it's
1: you, Lord. <laughs> you know? I see. Yeah, other than your own voice and trying to discern.
2: Right. Right. Yeah, it's like I always love people who go, yeah, God told me that.
1: You know, I go, are you sure?
2: Yeah. Are you sure? You trust a lot of people on your, on your ascent, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. And, the, you know, God yeah. told me uh, if God never disagrees with you, it's probably not God. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I always find. Uh, You're listening to The Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Jeff Allen. He's author of a new book and a comedian, new book, and his tour is called Are We There Yet? You know, when you write this book, you are, you know, I've gone through it, and uh, it's funny, but it's also very serious, uh, about very serious things that a lot of people are going through, Jeff. And, um, you know, I've seen you in person. I had you at our church. I don't know, you probably don't remember me, but years ago you were at our church. And you tell oh. uh, First Baptist Church of San Diego is where that was.
2: Oh, okay, I remember that. i only been in San Diego a couple times, so yeah. uh, I remember that.
1: So we had a good time, and, you know, the story behind all the, your comedy and stuff, I think it helps when you tell your story. It ties everything together in such a way. But people relate, because there's people sitting there who are wondering, what's the point? What's the point of church? What's the right. point of life? You know, why wh- why not continue with my alcoholism or whatever if there's no point? You know, your book helps with that. What do you hope people get most out of your book? I
2: hope they 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 go inside, and and get and develop a inner prayer life and ask, you know, um, and become, you know, examine, um, especially if you think life is pointless. You yeah. know, uh, that's, um, you know, I th- I don't know if it was Sart somebody said it um, that in order for something finite, which we are, to have meaning it has to be attached to something a transcendent and fixed that's right. and infinite. And, um, you know, they, they wouldn't use the word God, but that's exactly what God is. God never changes. God is there. God created us. So if you really truly believe that you are a creation, that means every cell in your body has been put there for a reason. And there's a point, but you've got to get up and move. Mm. Um, you can't be stagnant and expect your life to have meaning and a point to it. Um, so my point is, I when I got into recovery, I was so beat up and broken. I had a sponsor give me a, a bag of tra- trash bags. And I said, what am I going to do with these? He said, when you feel like drinking again or you feel that the world owes you something, pick up trash. And I go, why would I do that? He goes, just trust me. Hmm come a time where you're gonna to need to, you're gonna need these. So sure enough, a few days went by and I was I didn't want to go home because I knew I'd get in an argument with him. I was just enraged and for no reason. I mean I was just angry. And I saw those stupid trash bags sitting on my uh, uh, automobile you know the passenger seat. So anyway I pulled into a mini mart and one of the things he told me he says while you're picking up trash at a minimart or wherever you decide to pick up trash, don't let anybody else see you because your pride'll kick in and you'll think you're you'll think you're special <laughs> right <laughs> so anyway i started picking up and lo and behold um there was a, a little seed planted in me that realized, i realized that if you are miserable do something for somebody else hmm. Self, selflessly do something for somebody else so you realize that god put us here um in the jewish faith it's called tikkun alam you know um where uh, God knows the world is broken, and He's charged the Jewish people with repairing a broken world. And your Tikkun mom is what are you doing to repair the broken world? Hmm. Uh, so He made us to be in community. So isolationism is the um, is, is anti uh, God, you know, and um, that's the disease of most certainly drug addiction and alcoholism. And, and I mean, I was, I could be in a crowded bar and I was alone. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it had nothing to do with how many people I surrounded myself with. It was where my head was at my mind. And, um, and then, but yeah, get up and do something for somebody selflessly. And, uh, you know, my a friend of mine used to say, you know, if you could spend five minutes of any one day thinking about someone other than yourself, It may work to 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then maybe you'd you'd have a a full life, you know, um, surrounded by people. I think
1: think that's great advice, and, uh, you know, I appreciate you sharing your story with that. It's very – I think it's easy to understand. It relates to a lot of people. I know a lot of people who are listening here in L.A. and San Diego and all around uh, Southern California. You know, when they hear people's stories, uh, we hear back. They respond. And I want to encourage people to uh, to get your book. It's called Are We There Yet? Where's the best place they can get your book?
2: Well, Amazon, obviously. I mean, if you've got a phone, you can just click right on it, and uh, it'll pop right up. Uh, but uh, any Christian bookstore. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, I you know, as yeah. um, a matter of fact, if you come out to La Brea uh, on the 24th, I will, I will have a. You'll um, have
1: some there. Soon. I will. I'll have a pile of them with me. All right, so you're going to be here in Los Angeles at Brea in, uh, really, Orange County, I think, is where that is. Uh, am I right? Wilbur, it's Orange yeah. County, right? Somewhere. It's all, you know, it's all LA. It's somewhere out there. Yeah, it's, somewhere it's out the
2: improv, there. that's all I know.
1: All right. Yeah. And uh, where's the best place for people to get tickets if they want to come see you?
2: Uh, just probably go to my website or go to the improv, uh, certainly, the improv right. website. Your um,
1: website is JeffAllencomedy. com. Yes, JeffAllenComedy dot com.
2: Uh, years ago, I don't know if it still is, but JeffAllen.com dot com was a porn portal.
1: I don't oh, know how that yeah, is. Yeah, don't go. Don't go to that. <laughs> Jeff Allen Comedy.
2: I was working with the gates. I was working with the gates. because somebody came to me and they go, "What's what's your website?" And I go, "What?" <laughs> I mean, they go, "Jeff Allen." Actually, it's not Jeff Allen. I went on my phone. I went, "Oh my lord!" I got all these old people going. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I don't well, know if that's still the same. It was twenty well, years. Well, you know ago. what? I'm not going to punch it up. Uh, Jeff Allen Comedy. No, no, you don't need to. dot com. That's the one you want. Uh, that's the better one. You can get tickets there, and you can get the book uh, there also, and uh, wherever books are sold, Amazon dot com and uh, elsewhere. Jeff, uh, thanks for writing the book. Thanks for being on the Pastor Scott Show today. It's great to talk to you.
2: Thank you, Pastor. Oh. Um, and have a good day.
1: Hey, and uh, you're done. You're done for today, and you can go uh, get your Thai food and enjoy your evening.
2: Yes, I can. It's finally, yeah, I think it'll be done by now.
1: Yeah, uh, I think so. She's going. <laughs> Hot, man. All right, Jeff. Hey, good to talk with you. Thanks for All being man. with me.
2: Take care, man. All bye right,
1: bye. everybody. All right, this uh, that was Jeff Allen. You website again, once again, is Jeff Allen Comedy. He'll be here in L.A. in uh, on September 24th. He's all over the country. If you happen to be uh, listening elsewhere on uh, your radio app, and the new book is called "Are We There Yet?" and get that at Amazon.com. Came out today, actually. Uh, so uh, we got to have Jeff on day one of his book. So uh, great to have Jeff with us. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. You can watch us right now at KKL. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show.
3: After a muddy and rainy weekend, attendees at the Burning Man Festival are finally going
0: home. More than 70,000 people were trapped in thick mud with no way out. Here it is. It's the mother of all traffic jams. Hundreds, if not thousands, of trucks, RVs, and other cars snaking through the Nevada desert, inching along. Yesterday afternoon, the festival organizers lifted the driving ban, saying conditions on the roads improved, but cars were lined up long before then, with reports that it took anywhere from 7 to 10 hours for burners to get out.
1: Are you aware of what is going on? Hopefully you're not. If you're waiting in traffic and listening to the Pastor Scott show at Burning Man, I will, number one, be surprised. Number two, glad you're listening. And uh, how's that traffic going? Seven hours. Do you know what this is? It's on the news. And you and if you watch the pictures, this is out in the middle of the uh, Nevada desert, okay, uh, not too far from Las Vegas. And what happens is every year, a bunch of people go out, it's called uh, Burning Man, And, uh, you know, if you look at it, there's all this stuff about why it's supposed to be this great spiritual, you know, experience to change the world. But mostly it's (laughs) hedonism and drugs and uh, and they light, uh, you know, big tiki man on fire. And uh, well, it rained and they had some monsoons and everybody got stuck in the mud. And there's thousands, thousands of people out there. And it's pretty dangerous. And they weren't able to do anything all weekend. And uh, now they're getting out. And if you look at the pictures of the traffic, it's thousands, thousands of cars, 70,000, 80,000 cars <laughs> leaving single file out a certain line across the desert because the mud is so thick. And I guess on this lake bed, the mud is a, it's a certain type of dirt, I guess. And when it gets wet, it gets all sticky and crazy. And, uh, you know, it is uh, it's a remarkable thing to uh, call this something that is supposed to create some sort of spiritual renewal in uh, people's life. We really throw that word spiritual around uh, quite a bit. Uh, Anyway, they didn't have a very good weekend out there at uh, the Burning Man. The number, by the way, this is Pastor Scott Show. Welcome back. Hope that you did have a a, a good Labor Day weekend. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. What does that word mean to you, spiritual? Like we we throw that around in uh you know Christianity we talk about spiritual growth and spiritual gifts we have we use that word and when is that word what does it mean to you when you hear spiritual you know outside maybe of those particular terms i just mentioned because uh lots of people use the word spiritual even people who i think aren't necessarily talking about religion We'll talk about spiritual spirituality, or they'll use the word spiritual. The number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. You know, I I look at these uh, these things that go on, and it just looks incredibly miserable to me. And I thought, you know, if you just want to go out there and uh, be a, a fool of some kind, why not just go to Las Vegas? I thought that's what that town is for. And you at least get a hotel room and a bathroom you know and a, a steak buffet somewhere, and uh, you leave with no money and no dignity, but uh you know you at least uh aren't driving in uh, that kind of traffic uh, I don't think this has happened before like this though I think it's a just a, a fluke of the storms that we had last week the uh the the hurricane, whatever that was it did dump a lot of rain in Atlanta or Atlanta or nevada uh same country and other stuff. I looked up uh, Burning Man, and uh, they have principles. There are 10 principles of uh, Burning Man. Do you know what those are? Did you know this? I didn't know that there was anything really written other than come out here and do whatever you want. Uh, so here's the 10 The ten principles. Radical inclusion. Anyone may be a part of Burning Man. So anybody can go out there, uh, except uh, those protesters that the police ran over that was blocking people from getting to Burning Man last year Uh, or this year that happened. Um, Anybody can be a part of Burning Man. We welcome and respect the stranger. No prerequisites exist for participation in the community. Okay. Gifting. Uh, Burning Man is devoted to acts of gift giving and uh, the value of a gift is unconditional. So I guess you bring gifts. Has anybody been to this? Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid to ask that question. You've been to this, uh, Wilbert? Uh, you've been out there to Burning Man? Uh, I can't say I have. Oh, you cannot. Okay, well, that's <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely have questions. Like, what was that like? Why? Why did you go out there? I don't have a lot of uh, desire to go out in the middle of uh, the desert and sort of camp. Uh, you I, know, I don't. I don't see uh, a reason why. I've uh, <laughs> I've been to uh, camping at Joshua Tree uh, National Park. You've been to Joshua Tree. I have. Yeah. You know what they have at Joshua Tree? It's out there just outside of uh, 29 Palms. You know what's out there? What's out there? Nothing. Exactly. Not a thing out there. (laughs) Like, oh, okay. We're actually, if you like to rock climb, it's awesome. It's fantastic. All right. But, uh, you know, uh, not probably your typical camping. But to go out in the middle of the Nevada desert, you ever drive across the uh, country, like drive from California to Utah and you go through Nevada? You know what crosses my mind when I go through Nevada on that drive? I think to myself, you know, now I completely understand why in the 1950s, the federal government had no problem and no criticism for dropping nuclear bombs out here. Nobody cared. It was a perfect place to do that. That's, <laughs> hey, that's, that's what it is. Well, now people go out there and they camp and they have these principles. Um, and from what I see, it's why I guess it would be interesting to know if somebody's been out there, because I'm not really, I'm not catching this vibe Uh, of these of any principles whatsoever. Radical inclusion, gifting, decommodification. In order to preserve the spirit of our gifting, our community seeks to create social environments that are unmediated by commercial sponsorships, transactions or advertising. I think it's becoming actually very corporate. Right. There's there's like uh, Hollywood stars out there. And uh, in fact, there was a story of Chris Rock and some other comedian who escaped. They somehow got out. There's people stuck in the mud out there. It's pretty dangerous because they tried to leave. They were told they had to stay there. Some people got out. I'll bet it's I think it's more commercial now than it used to be. But if you're trying to have decommodification, well, then how do you do the the gifting, especially if it's expensive gifting? Right. How do you do that? Uh, Seems like that's a commodity there. And I, I get the idea, you know, because we are way too consumeristic, right? We're too much about the stuff. Um, and uh, so we resist the substitution of consumption for participatory experience. So there's a lot of people out there in uh, very old RVs, uh, but there's a lot of people out there in very new SUVs, I've noticed. Uh, so it feels like that's not really part of the principle to me. Radical self-reliance. Uh, Burning Man encourages the individual to discover, exercise, and rely on their inner resources. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Um, Radical self-expression. Probably shouldn't even get into what that means. Uh, Communal effort. Our community values uh, create cooperation and collaboration. You know, there's probably, uh, you know, it's probably a decent uh, atmosphere out there. uh, Like that civic responsibility. Uh, we value a civil society. Is it society out there? Is that how it works? Uh, leaving no trace. I wonder if they, I wonder how much trash is left out there and other stuff. Maybe they do. Do they clean it up? Have you noticed anything like that? Or is it just a disaster out there? Or does it all just sink in the mud? Have you been to like a concert in like SoFi or like Staples Center? That's what I picture it like. Yeah. Just garbage everywhere. I mean, people don't, people leave a trace at the movie theater, right? What do you do with it? Where did we get this habit? We go to the movie theater and we just leave our stuff under the seat. or We don't put it in a trash can. Why? Why did, how, why did that become the thing? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I put it in the trash can now. I think it was more a thing there, but still at a baseball game. I'm not carrying my my tray of peanut shells out You know, from my seat. They're just there. Somebody must have to spray that down. You're listening to The Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. And I was going over the uh, Ten Principles of Burning Man, uh, not to support, but just to sort of question this whole thing. And really the issue is, this is supposed to be a spiritual gathering where people have some kind of uh, spiritual result that's going to come of going out into the desert and uh, having absolutely... um, no hindrances whatsoever. I'm not really sure that it works that way. The number is 888-528-2557. Ted, City of Angels, welcome to Pastor Scott show. Ted, did you go to uh, Burning Man?
3: I drove through. I went to Arizona, and it was a spiritual slash divine uh, journey. to go see two buddies of mine that I played football with in college. And uh, um, I do know what is in Joshua Tree, Joshua Trees.
1: So There you know, are, there are some it? Joshua trees there. That's how they came that's up with the name.
3: Exactly. I grew so, up in
1: Palmdale, you know, and uh, Palmdale, the, the story is, is that the guy who named Palmdale thought that they were, that the Joshua trees were palm trees. So that's why he named it Palmdale. But there's really no palm trees up there. It's Joshua trees. He just got it wrong.
3: Well, I mean, there's plenty of people that got it wrong and there's not, you know, spirituality. There is no spirituality without Jesus. You know, they're yeah. just out there. You know that's why they're getting high because they cause they can't get it. You know, and they got to be inebriated, and they and they thought it was spiritual, but when they were actually just inebriated. And uh, you know, I went out on a wing because I thought uh, I got some text from a, one of those ball players that is not something that he's ever done, and it turned out that I had texted the wrong number, and uh, a person played with my mind, and so. I went out there to assure him that I still cared for him because he just lost his mother and his brother Ooh. was in the hospital. And I drove in a 2002 Cadillac Escalade, uh, you know, six about 866-mile yeah. round trip. But
1: you didn't have to drive and, through the mud or anything.
3: I would never get off the highway. I mean, you got to have your head examined. <laughs> yeah. well, you know? You know. And, and you know what? It didn't end up too well for them, did it? So,
1: it's kind of a mess out I, there, but I, I appreciate yeah. you going out there to help your friend. And that, you know, would you say in the idea, I'm asking the question, what does spiritual mean? You know, spiritually, that's more than just a chore for you, right? It was a good thing to do.
3: Well, I mean, this is the deal. God will use what what was meant for evil for good. And uh, this guy, um, you know, played with my head. It was a stranger. It was my buddy's old number. Mm-hmm. And when I changed my phones, I didn't have his number, so this this nine-year-old number popped in my head. So I'm texting somebody who wasn't my friend and he said some terrible things. And I, and I figured, well, she, you know, he's going, uh, 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 bonkers since his mom died. So I, uh, excuse my um, S word. And then I, I swooped out there on a wing and, uh, and it turned out to be totally divine. Um, it all ended up very, very well. And both of my friends needed, to be seen by me. I hadn't well, been
1: out I'm had i glad that that worked for you, Ted, and that uh, you spent your weekend uh, uh, doing that. I got to go and uh, get to the a break here. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is Pastor Scott Show. You can follow us on social media. Just look for at Pastor Scott Show at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned.
0: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome
1: back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Couple of uh, famous singers passed away this weekend. Steve Harwell from Smash Mouth, who you just heard, big big star back in the uh, '90s, I think, in early 2000s, and of course Jimmy Buffett, big star for uh, any era, uh, passed away. You know that, that is the that's where everybody's headed. I don't mean to spoil your Tuesday, you know, with that, but one out of every one person dies. Speaking of that uh, spirituality we were talking about, did you have a good Labor Day? Labor Day is an interesting holiday. Uh, did you do anything special? Did you do anything uh, noteworthy on Labor Day? Did you what did you do, uh, Wilbert? Did you uh, go somewhere on Labor Day? Uh, I did labor. Did you do labor? Did you work? Like it worked. <laughs> <laughs> you worked. Well, you know, I've wondered about that. It's funny. Uh, you take a day off, but maybe Labor Day ought to be a day of extra hard work, like the the opposite of a holiday. Like Free you got to do twice twice as much work. Sixteen hour shift. <laughs> you did a shift, sixteen hour shift on Labor Day. <laughs> You know, everybody I'm talking to uh, mostly did some kind of work, usually chores around the house. But people a lot of people go to work. Lots of stuff is open. Right. It's a it's a holiday for a lot of people, but not for I not for many places people. closed. Yeah. Yeah. I think Costco is closed. But uh, I feel like uh, there's an awful lot of people working on Labor Day. So it's it's not really a holiday for a lot of people, but it's it's about work. You know, and we were talking in the last segment about what is actually spiritual. What does that mean? And uh, because people use it, people use it for experiences. They use it for maybe when there's, maybe they just don't have another word to use. But I I think is, you know, when we're, when we're thinking of experiences that maybe uh, help us grow or something, but in a Christian sense, you know, something about doing our job or doing work or, or getting things done. I think there is something spiritual to it because work is spiritual thing and it is good. You may not like the work you have to do. And that's actually part of the curse. But an interesting thing about work is that people had to work before the fall. The story of uh, the garden and Adam and Eve—they had a job to do. Uh, they had to tend to the garden. They had to make sure everything, you know, grew, and they cleaned up leaves, I suppose, and did whatever it took. Maybe they cleaned after animals. I'm not sure how all of that worked, but they had work to do. And this was before sin, right? So this is a this is something I think that in in the perfection of it they loved it you know adam had a job to do he had to to name all the animals how do you come up with all those names right and uh that was his job you know what's what's this thing did god just bring him in front of him i guess so you know all right adam what's this Oh, i don't know you tell me god no no you name him that's your job you name him uh giraffe okay it's a giraffe and he got, that, he got that responsibility. I always find that curious, especially in light of this. When we find a new species today of some kind, who names that animal? Where do they get their name? You know, Adam's still doing it. We are still naming the animals. It, doesn't it go to the person who uh, finds it now or something? Or Sometimes think- you name it after yourself. Yeah, a lot right? of people do. Uh, but you can name it anything you want to. We have a, There's a, you know, a whole Latin scheme for all of that. You know, and so there is some of that, but you can name it whatever you want. God didn't put any uh, any rules on it. You know, Adam, you get to name the animals, you just can't name them after yourself. He didn't, you know, I mean, he could have, I guess, he could have said, you know, tall Adam, short Adam, you know, like the giraffe is the tall Adam. He could have done that, I suppose, but, you know, he came up with other things. And that's what people do now. People name, you know, whenever a new animal is discovered, humans name it. This this is the same thing that is going on, see, and and that work is good. And, you know, if you thought about it, something I did find curious is so many people, including us, we did chores over the weekend. In fact, we were going to go maybe to the beach, but the weather wasn't quite so good and we were going to do some more relaxing. We did a little bit at home, but we did chores. My wife was super busy. Christy did a lot of chores this weekend. And uh Johnny, my youngest son, eleven, he is running for a class office position in his school. He's in the sixth grade, so he's gonna be one of the class officers. I said, Well what does your school leadership to, team do? He said, Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably right. I was the uh, uh I was the vice president of my eighth grade class. I remember that. Did you ever run for school office, Wilbert? In sixth grade. Did you win? uh i got vice president oh okay fellow vice presidents here here we go i was going to be president i ran for president i was in a small school and in my class there were only 15 of us and only three girls and i ran against one of those girls and i thought well i'm going to win for sure and uh and i thought it would be a no-brainer but uh turned out she won by one vote and the there are two irritating things about that number one was my friends said that they were voting for me, but they didn't. And like you have a perfect poll, right? That when you think the polling's wrong on the national polls that we've been seeing, you know, when there's 15 people in total, you'd think you could get a more accurate poll when you go ask people who you're voting for. Uh, but see, she was cute. And uh, some of the guys decided they're going to vote for for her. That's one thing that irritated me. The second thing that irritated me is I voted for her because I thought she was cute and they lost by one vote. I would have been the president. The president had no job. The There's no job to any of it except that she got to give the uh, speech at the eighth grade uh, graduation, and I did not. As the vice president, I don't know that I had any duties whatsoever. Anyway, so Johnny is doing that. We put up signs. So what we did this weekend was we worked on all of his signs, his, his campaign signs and his campaign slogans and, you know, his little speech he has to give. They only give him 60 seconds for a speech, though, which I guess maybe is long if you're 11. You know, it's not long if you're a furrow then, maybe you've noticed. But uh, it is, uh, you know, 60-second speech. You know, what are you going to say? You don't, you don't really have anything to uh, – <laughs> I said, what do you do? He said, well, I think we have some meeting that we go to once a year. I bet he does something. You know, there, there must be something that they do. I think that in the eighth grade, the treasurer actually did some kind of treasuring. Right? I, don't, I don't remember having any duties whatsoever. Anyway, uh, when I was doing it back in the day. But, uh, I, you know, I've talked to so many people who have done work this weekend, and, you know, at least of the people I've talked to, they're happy they did work this weekend. We cleaned out some of our garage. We got some stuff that we should have thrown away or given away before we left San Diego, but we moved in a hurry, and we moved it up here. And one of the things we've said is we've got to get rid of this stuff. You know, we're not planning on moving anytime, maybe never, but uh, it, you never know when that's going to happen get rid of it. If it's not coming in the house, we've lived in our house now for over a year. And I figure if it hasn't come in the house for over a year and you haven't needed it and you haven't gone through all the boxes looking for stuff, you probably don't need it. I like, guess, isn't that a pretty good rule for stuff? You keep a bunch of stuff in your garage and it's just there forever. And then you move and you move it to the next garage. And then, uh, then you get to have too much stuff and then you have to put it in one of those storage facilities out there. They're building some of those near my house. Those things make a lot of money. I mean, if you, the, and it's because people don't know how to get rid of their stuff. There's just no place to put it. That was that's one of our goals. Lots of work things to do around the house. I think that's good. And all that is to say is that you know when you think about work, you think about Labor Day. You think about uh, what that holiday is for, you know, is about. You know, one of the things that we have to do in this life, and as believers, I think this is spiritual, is to do our work. Not necessarily. We don't necessarily have to like our job but there's something that we have a responsibility over. Maybe your work isn't a a job you get paid for. Maybe your work is your homemaker or you take care of the kids or you're retired, but there's things you got to do. And I'll tell you what, if you're retired and you've got stuff to do, you're a lot happier, aren't you? Like it's, it's different if you just physically are unable to do certain things. And I know people are in that situation, but if you're as much as you are able to do, there is something great about doing stuff. There is something that is rewarding about getting up in the morning and not just wasting the day, you know, doing nothing, but actually doing something. I think it's a it's a wonderful thing. That's why you have so much in the Bible about work, because whatever you do, it's all spiritual work. Work was put in paradise. I believe we're going to work in, uh, in eternity. I believe, and I don't mean this to disappoint, right? Some people get disappointed when you say, oh, we're going to have a job in, in heaven. No, you're going to have a job, but you're going to love it. It's going to be like whatever Adam and Eve's feeling was about their work. And you're going to really like it. And here's why I think that's really, really important. It's because a huge part of the way we're made is to work and to work well to the glory of God. Now, we all end up doing things in this fallen world that uh, we're not good at, or maybe we don't enjoy, or that we shouldn't do because we're terrible at it. That's part of the fallenness. But the job that you're going to have in heaven, the job that you will one day have, I believe is going to be right up your alley. It's going to be perfect for you, right? in Your wheelhouse, whatever you want to say, it's going to be perfect for you because it's exactly how you're made. And you were made to do something. Well, you were made very specifically to do certain things. Well, and I think that that has a lot to do with our life today. When we get things done, when we do things well, or we just get the chores done that we need to do, whether it's well or not, sometimes things just have to get done we feel good about it because I think that's a big part of how we were made. And I think it's spiritual. All that is to say is, uh, you know what? Get some stuff done and, uh, you know, make a list of things. Just get some things done. You will grow spiritually. I think that that is something that is a a very motivational thing. Lots to say about that, but um, we're going to Bring that up another time. Anyway, I hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. Hey, when we come back here in just a few minutes, Dr. Robert Jeffress will be here. He is one of our keynote speakers at the Pastors Conference, the Impact 23 Pastors Conference from KKLA. It's coming up September 21st and it's at Azusa Pacific University. You can register for that if you're a pastor or ministry leader. Uh, Go to KKLA.com now, click on the Impact 23 banner and register. It's $5. The $5 goes to Union Rescue Mission. There's a coupon code on there somewhere for $5 off uh, in case you don't have the $5. So go to KKLA.com now. When we come back, Robert Jeffress will be with us, and he's also going to be there on the 21st, and I look forward to that. And uh, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can watch us now at KKLA.com. You can follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show and get the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back. As the Tuesday edition continues, stay tuned.